a Shishkin Productions podcast. We really have just like three people who, who contribute to the show. And uh, I was going to say two of them are us. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's up, Sizzlers? Welcome to another episode of This Is A Real Podcast. Yo. We're out here. Yo. We're sizzling. We're remote today. We're remote today. On remote again. Oh, I can't wait to get on remote again. That's it. Uh, yeah, that's so um, we, we do have the, the MLS All-Star game coming up in, mm. well, we'll be there a week from when this drops. Yes. And uh, my girlfriend came down with some COVID, so I've... I've tested negative so far but we're just being extra extra cautious we Don't sent, we sent chris anything. away immediately as soon as i heard i said pack your bags get out of here <laughs> right for real I so said, disappear uh, for one so week i worked from home yesterday and we're we're recording remote right now yeah we're recording remote. that's why chris is a little quiet because he can't yell in his own house or he's gonna get beaten up <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's uh she's taking a nap blink, right now, blink so. twice if you need to be rescued <laughs> <laughs> um, what, thank you, thanks guys for tuning back in. We're on. We're we're making we're making the most of this. You know, it's uh, it is a weekend. I'm a little bit hungover. I got some friends from Montreal in town. Um, it's, it's funny that you say that because yesterday you were like, "Hey, let's record tomorrow." Yeah. I'm a little hungover today. <laughs> you know what? You can't. If when, 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 when friends come from Montreal, they they come with uh, they come bearing shots, and uh, you know I'm not used to that anymore. And so when I get put yeah. in those situations, um, it's like, okay, fine, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> And the next day I'm like, I don't want to do this. Uh, but yeah, no, we're, uh, we're here. What's, what is this? 96, 97, 96. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're getting into the, uh, my favorite radio station frequencies. (laughs) 96.97. The morning zoo Um, with Chris and Alexi with the swamp bug and the Eastman. Um, we're, uh, we're, we guess there's a real live coming up. So the real live is coming. It's coming soon. I'll plug that real quick, Chris, and then you can tell people where to find us. But Sizzle Real Live, August 25th. Get your tickets now. They're $6.66. The show's going to be at Wandering Barman, Thursday night, August 25th. Put it in your calendar. I think we start at, I think doors at 7, show at 8. Uh, it probably, it's a late show. It won't take more than an, an hour or 45 minutes or something like that. Um, and you'll get, so I think you get a free drink with your ticket. So, I mean, you're basically just gonna get a free drink and it's like six dollars come on man um yeah but yeah come through come through It'll special be guests you can get your tickets at uh sizzle real gang the website.com and it's a real uh, website. it is a real website it looks pretty good and it's mobile friendly it kind of works on phones now you'll you'll see an rsvp button click that and that's where you can uh get a get a little ticket reserve a spot and like i said even it's pretty if, exciting if you just show up without a ticket i'll probably still let you in um yeah and we'll just buy you a drink. Yeah. So, you know, this this first half is going to maybe be a little bit different because I uh, left my laptop at home like a fool. So I don't have the rundown in front of me. So Chris is actually going to run the show today, I think. But um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be a very good show. But, you know, why, why don't you tell people where to find us real quick and then we'll then we'll get into it. Yeah, of it. course. Well, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Sizzle Real Gang. We are Sizzle Real Gang at Gmail dot com. And of course, we have the Sizzle Reel cold line. That is 332-333-4361. It's uh, the place to go to get all your questions out, to get your yayas out, so to speak. Oh. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, call in, leave a message, or 
tell a story or do anything really i mean we're just we're just dying to hear your voice yes. listeners you know so someone called in this week and, and we're going to get to that that mm-hmm, voicemail mm-hmm. in a little bit but first you know let's let's talk about what we've been doing this week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean I, I can tell you myself it's been a lot of the same you know i've just been doing sports highlights and sending emails and you know just doing the damn thing well you've also been pulling double time i think on the hockey shit because like you said we are and we're going to get to this a little bit later but we're going to be in minnesota for like a week and uh yep. kind of got to get ahead for that week so got to knock a bunch of stuff out ahead of time <laughs> yep so i've actually gotten like a couple episodes ahead and i'm just waiting to hear back uh from them on notes but i don't know i think the pieces i think they're great v1s and they might have minimal revisions yeah it seems like uh that's i think that's going really smoothly i hope that they're thinking the process is going just as smoothly on their end and they like it and hopefully they lean on us for some more of these yeah, this this is one of those things that I could do like one day a week for the rest of forever and be happy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've been you've been in the edit zone. I have been I've been somewhat in the edit zone, not super much. But for what I have been editing, it's been the tree fort doc finally got into that. And that's uh, exciting. It's cool. Yeah, it's like I'm cracking back into it. And it's it's actually kind of inspirational. It's like when I'm doing it, I, I do feel like passionate about the story. I've tried to create like, a, you know, how sitcoms will have like a show bible or whatever and it'll have yeah, like yeah, every, I, I tried to create like a doc bible for a tree fort where i'm just putting like i tried to break everything down i think you heard me probably pitching it to amy but i was trying to break down the whole yes, doc I did. in like little 10 minute chunks i was like okay let me take these 90 minutes and break them into anywhere from 5 to 15 minute chunks depending on how much of that i think we have Basically, it's, it's it's a giant paper script outline. Exactly, you, you're you're gonna go in and kind of find the the bites and the imagery that that helps tell the story that you've laid out on paper. Right, exactly. So I've got that. I'm creating a giant list of characters there, and I'm gonna try to put keywords maybe to describe these characters or like imagery that comes to mind as like I'm th- as these characters come across. Um, because what I want to do is like I don't want it just to be like a straight doc with like straight cuts and like just generic b-roll and talking heads i want to like create you know like when we're introducing a new character right because all the characters in this are musicians when we're introducing a new character i want to create some sort of like almost an intro package so to speak that like tells you who this person is and like does it in a fun way and uses like clips from their social media and shit like that and like actually is like uh, kind of cool like to, to, to give you an example i was looking on tiktok the other day and for some reason, a, I guess it's because I was searching built, I don't know, TikTok, whatever. It's just like surveillance in your pocket. But like th- somehow built to spill was in my uh, like my algorithm and a video came up that was posted by Sub Pop of Bob Odenkirk recording himself on his iPhone directly to his phone talking about how he saw built to spill in 1995 open for the Foo Fighters somewhere in Europe and they blew them off the stage and he loves built to spill and he's excited for the new album. So like little tiny That's things like that. Cool. I'm, I'm pulling like all of this type of shit into the archive to supplement what we have because I do want it to feel almost like a collage of sorts. I don't want it just to be like we filmed for four days and here's what we got like that's cool but the story is not just four days. The story is like, it's a longer story. You know, it's a bigger story. So yeah, that's uh, when, when did you start having that idea to do it that way? Um, that I just thought of this week, like when I was like legitimately as I was watching the footage. So t- to put it into perspective, I actually, I went through 
like two two something hours of footage, like watching every single second of it. Because again, this isn't like this isn't this doesn't have any sort of like uh, return on investment type thing. Like there's no efficiency that really needs to happen with this. I just need to make a good piece. And if I'm doing that, I want to do it the right way. You know, because yeah. we, we always talk about you don't actually have to watch every single frame of footage if like the goal is to get it out the door. But with this, it's like I'm going to watch every single frame. So yeah. I, I went through because the goal is not just to get it out the door. This is something that you you directed. Right. And well, you're yeah. editing. Yeah. I'm going to put my name on it. I'm going to put a fake name on it for the editor. So people think that there's more. Swambug. Yeah. Swamp. Oh, Buckington. But yeah, I thought of it like there was a day and I went through like two and a half hours of footage it took me all day because I'd like go back and like rewatch it and move and like kind of think about how things are going. And I took breaks to like write notes and stuff. So during that day, I kind of thought of this. I was like, oh, you know what? This would be tight. And plus, we didn't get an interview with Doug. Like Doug wouldn't talk to us. So yeah. I was like, OK, well, let me go on YouTube and let me find a bunch of uh, old built to spill interviews. And they they're they that's the great part about it is those interviews go back to like the early or mid early early and mid 90s so i have a ton of archive footage so i'm going to be able to tell the story of who they are but like um yeah i don't know i I was like man you know what it'd be cool to do this for all the artists and because i because social media so many artists now post a ton of stories and shit you know what i'm saying i mean that's for a lot of artists that's kind of like one of the main methods of growing your fan base, right? It's literally it's not just touring anymore. Job it's, now. it's your social social presence. That's why being a musician sucks because you're not just a musician. You're 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 like a de facto content creator, and you have yep. to know how to do everything. It's we on our other show, Rounds of Sound. Uh, we had a band called Wombo. Wombo. Uh, they were on the show, and we talked a lot about that. Well, even I mean, you should touch on on the. You have to do that as a show for Rounds of Sound. You have to go across all these different social channels. And even like for YouTube, you break them out all into to individual videos. So if you really want to to do your media campaign the right way for that, you're talking about like two and a half hours worth of work minimum each week, just like yeah. breaking it down into all the different deliverables. Yeah, dude, it sucks. Well, now also we I don't know if you know this, but that's something we started this this week. Uh and I don't know how, how long I'm going to be able to keep it up, to be honest. But we're trying to also, alongside every episode, have t- stories and tick like TikToks. So I have to like make extra content for that as well. So it's like the show is seven segments, right? So I have to yep. break out all of those seven segments, put them on YouTube, put all that into a playlist, find the songs on YouTube put the songs in the playlist so the show actually flows as a playlist then Mm -hmm. have to find a couple key bites or key moments that are like pretty interesting find like source those produce those grab them then like from there create in after effects like the actual stories or reels or tiktoks or whatever the next like it's like it's just like a ton of fucking yeah it's like 20 or 30 deliverables all of a sudden yeah exactly and that's like i was saying in the office the other day i was like man this sucks because for me to do this i understand that every different platform has different content strategy you can't yep sure you can repurpose shit if you want but that's like not the right way to do it you should be making different content for every different thing but it's like bruh i i i don't make any money doing around sound like (laughs) now i don't have time to fucking do this shit but uh you know we're out here doing it. I don't even know how I got onto that. 
Oh, it's what I was doing this week, right? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and just it was the uh, the idea of collecting. Uh, oh, the snippets. musicians, uh, you know, off of social media and how that's kind of a second job for them now. Yeah, and it's kind of a second job for you, too. I mean, one other thing that we did this week, I think that we should discuss. Um, so remember how last week we were talking like we're bleeding money and like we're everything's slow and like we're fucked. So yeah. this week I made everyone jump into a biz dev meeting. And uh, I don't know, Chris, tell me what you thought about that, because I feel like I just basically info dumped on you guys for 15 minutes and then uh and then we we called it uh, but tell me what you yeah, what your takeaways but were. I, I feel like that's kind of what it should be because uh, like it, it's pretty straightforward what needs to be done we don't need to talk a whole lot about it really all we had to do was settle on like when we're gonna do the meetings how many people we're gonna reach out to a month and you know make sure we're on the same page there but it's it's a simple concept it's outreach you know whether it's cold yeah. calls or you know talking to people who you know who you've worked with in the past and seeing what they got going on just having little catch up meetings um there it's not complicated it's just difficult it's to, a lot of little work exactly exactly it's almost and, like it's almost like uh maybe it's like it's like working out or something like that where like you don't have to do kind a of. lot, but if you do like 30 minutes every day, that's all you need and you're good. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, it, you, you can just do like spend three hours a week, just like, or three hours a month, just like you just do nothing but outreach, blast everyone, and then you don't follow up. But if you do it a little bit at a time each week, then it's a lot less pain, painless. I mean, I think, uh, I think uh, this last week, I think I reached out to like 25 people. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always doing like very like soft biz dev all the time. Like, and you know, for people who are listening, who are like, what the fuck is biz dev? So, I mean, just to be very, you know, like to really break it down, biz dev, business development. Right. And so yep. the goal of that is to view, to, to approach, to, to try to foster long-term relationships. Long-term is the key word there. So you're developing business relationships with potential clients with an eye on the long term. You're not like just hitting people up and being like, hey, uh, I want to edit a quick quick video for you this week and then we're out forever. It's like, no, it's t tell me about what you do, what kind of yeah. needs you have. And I'll tell you about what we do. And if it's not an immediate, if there's no immediate need, that's fine. Or if there is an immediate need, but we're not the ones, I don't want to like shoehorn. I don't want to like, you know, try to fit some janky yeah, shit I mean, together. That, that happened last week where there was a, a potential like basically an assistant editing job right? right and it just it didn't really make sense for us at the time but it's still a relationship that's worth you know exploring in the future yeah yeah and that's something that actually i need to i was think i was supposed to respond to them friday and i didn't do it but um i'll do it today today being monday i'll do it monday um <laughs> but yeah man i don't know so that's kind of the goal, right? I think reach out to like, what did we say? I think it was like, try to get two, like try to get two calls a month or something like that. I think we said just reach out to 10 people and hopefully one yeah, person yeah. a month, you know, comes through. Yeah. We said like that, one, that was, that was one what it actual, was. It was reach out to minimum two to three people a week or something like that. Or yeah, like for the exactly. whole month, 10 to 15 people. But yeah, yeah if it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's going to be a lot of trawling on LinkedIn I think just cause yeah. uh, like all the people who I know who are in this industry are not, they're not 
really looking for post work. Well, the, the um, thing is, it doesn't always have to be people who are directly in this industry. Like, for example, yeah, I know. We actually just had a meeting with uh, our friend who used to be at, at Anchor.fm, shout out. Um, and she's now at a different company. And she has nothing to do with like video or anything. But I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. She's like a friend and she's like, she works like at cool companies usually. So we mm-hmm. just did a random ass meeting. And then she was like, you know, just hearing about what, because she didn't know that we even do video. She just thought we were just a podcast place. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, we do all this other shit. And then she was like, oh, hmm, this is interesting because we actually do like live events that sometimes need coverage like that. And we need stuff for like social and shit like that sometimes. And so it was like, let me get you in touch with these people. And then maybe from there, like, who knows, something might happen. And that's how it is all the, a lot of the time. It's not necessarily going to be a direct fit. It's about, you know, seeing that a that second pass, so to speak. Like, it's like the the next step, like one step ahead. Like, oh, I, I know this person and I know that we're they're cool and we're uh, we're on good terms and they trust me and I trust them. Maybe they can put in a word, you know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the person you're reaching out to specifically doesn't have work for you, but they know someone who has a need for some sort of production or post-production and, you know, they can put you in touch with the right people. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll see what the next month brings. Well, maybe maybe by maybe by Sizzle Real Live by episode 100, we'll uh we'll be too busy to even have the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, preemptively cancel it cuz we're going to be just swamped with work. Swamp bug. Um, Chris, what else is on the rundown? I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know where the show's going. Well, you know, a little bit earlier we talked about uh this is a real cold line and someone called in. Oh yeah. Alright, let's listen to it. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Joe Nana, long time listener, first time caller. So, you know, I recently, after many years, became a licensed drone pilot and um you know, there's a lot of laws out there now that is sort of you know, probably better for the practice as a whole. Uh, I just want to know if you guys know any drone pilots that you work with. And oh, I don't know what we're going to do with this one. Um, just delete this voicemail. I didn't think this question through. I will come back with a different one. <laughs> okay, so that that uh, voicemail kind of matched the this episode. It went off the rails. <laughs> it really did. Um, it really petered out. Yeah, Joe Nana, uh, he didn't think we were going to play that one, but we played it. Um, because the reason we played it is because actually it is kind of relevant, right? I mean, Chris, you're, yeah, you're yeah. a drone up. Yeah, so I uh, technically I'm no longer a drone pilot because I let my license expire because it's so difficult to fly in New York, and I really wasn't going to be doing it for like money like I, I don't have I don't know at the time when I moved here I didn't know anyone who needed drone work and I was perfectly all right with it it's because uh, you know flying a drone you have to be really wary of airspace like that's mm-hmm. taking the test like half the questions are just about understanding airspace and like airports and in flight patterns and weather patterns it's like the, the actual operation of flying a drone is not even on the test you don't ha- you you can pass the test without ever actually operating a drone it's just knowing like the safety precautions around it basically uh and flying in new york is just it's, it's a, a, pain it's a in the mess ass. because so there's I just, so many airports what's up it's oh yeah a, there's like Dude, three if, if airports you look, if you look at a map of new york like the 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 airspace map it's crazy it's like there's barely any inch of the city that isn't covered with the like 
they're basically they call it an upside down cake because they're they're basically concentric circles uh, that show you like how how high you can fly your drone in each little spot. Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's just not worth it here unless you're like a really skilled pilot, which yeah, I was just a a regular dude with the drone. Well, also, I mean, unless it's unless you're a skilled pilot and also unless like you're on a job and, you know, if if it's like literally a job and there's insurance and like, you know, it's not on you're not just out here, you know, rambling around, flying it for fun. You know? Yes. So the part that I don't want to deal with is like getting the permits because like you can fly here. You just have to like you know, file for permits and usually I have to do it pretty far out. Yeah. Um, the, even the flight insurance was never a big deal. Cause there were, there was like a couple apps that I could just pull up and I could get, uh, like one time drone insurance for that specific flight. And I can, you know, set my limits and it's, it was usually like 10 or $15 for X amount of liability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still like, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not out there trying to grind and get drone, you know, drone gigs. If someone needs me to fly it i would have been happy to but the other part is every time i have been approached about flying a drone like these no one ever has permits they're always trying to you know technically fly illegally and just like get the shot and not pay a lot of extra money how much how much are the permits like what's the deal with the do you know anything about it uh i don't they might not even cost anything depending on what the what it's for like i'm sure if you're shooting for a, a a like a major motion picture one, they'd probably use helicopters and two. Yeah. There's probably more money involved there, but if you're just doing it for say a construction site and Mm -hmm. something like that, then I don't think you really have to pay much. I think you just have to clear it with the FAA. I think is the the main thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. We might, we might have a little bit of drone work coming up. So going to have to research that a little bit that's why that joe nana question was so so timely and topical he wanted to he wanted to get rid of the question completely he was like just forget about it so that's yeah by the by the way joe congratulations on getting your part 107 uh you know it's not a difficult test but it's not an easy (laughs) one either you have to like legitimately study and understand it so it you know it it took me a couple weeks of studying um well and i remember chris a lot of people if you've been listening to the show for a long time you you know that chris used to fly a news chopper that was his yeah, whole thing. Totally. Chris used to fly. I the, was a stringer. He was a stringer. He's flying the chopper in the the fields of uh, North Central Florida over Lottie and, yeah. and Stark. <laughs> Just cruising in a news chopper. Oh, um, yeah. Chris, what else is on the rundown? I wrote it like, uh, you know, 40 minutes ago and I forgot it. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, at this point, we just need to have a quick little chat about Minnesota because that's coming Ooh, up. Yeah. We will be in Minnesota a week from now. We'll have our, we'll be on day two of shooting out of three and you know, maybe we should talk about it before yeah. we get into it. I'm, yeah. I don't want to go into too much detail on the content plan. Cause I don't want to like, nah. I don't want to, you know, uh, out over like over expose it or tease it or do whatever. Cause I don't think, you know, we can do that. But, uh, in a vague sense, I will say last week, the production plan changed considerably. Oh, um, yeah. And in in a, in, a, in a good such a good way where like it was about to be like a he- very heavy lift and a lot of stuff that had to get done immediately, yeah. And basically some different camera gear and some different like some there were some changes in the cameras. There were some changes in the way we we're going to capture audio and the entire concept shifted just slightly to make this like uh, I think way easier if everything goes according to plan. Way easier. But we'll yeah, see. absolutely. So basically two of the, th- the three days now we're 
almost going to be supplementary footage, you know, like we're not going to be relied on as heavily as before. The first day it's still on us, but it's a more controlled environment. Days two and three, we don't know exactly how it's going to go down because mm-hmm. that's that's the nature of it. Yeah. Uh, but now we're we've basically got like this giant safety net. Yeah. And um, to, to put it to like again, day one is like yeah, it's like interviews. So that'll be easy. Day two and three, those are like live soccer events. So there's a skills challenge and the all star game. So so much of it has to do with like what's going to happen at the event, right? Like if the game is zero zero, <laughs> then that's like oh. going to be tough to try to make stuff but yep if if it's like a high scoring game with a lot of controversy then it's gonna be really easy to make stuff out of it right so controversy controversy um um you got yeah so i'm pretty i don't know i'm pretty excited about it like when we first agreed to do it i i got a little bit hyped but i was like i i can't i don't really get excited about things until i'm right up on them like it's not real to me until we're right there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now it's real to me. Like I spent the last week kind of refreshing myself on the camera and like this, this week I'm going to get a little more hands on with it and just make sure I'm hundred percent ready to go and like fast with it. Cause like, you know, we, we've been working with cameras for 10 or 15 years. We know how to work a camera, but when you're on set, the important thing is being fast with the camera yeah. um, and not holding up to production. So just want to make sure I'm fast and I'm, I'm stoked. Like I haven't, you know, shot for money in two or three years now. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely a, what I've been doing in my outreach emails, like when I'm saying what we do, like, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, the outreach emails were like, we're a boutique post production company or whatever. Yep. Post house. All like, all we do is edit. And then slowly added a little motion graphics to it. And then like over the last couple of years, I've been saying we're a post house that does motion graphics and we also do podcasts. Um, and then this year my outreach is more like our bread and butter is post-production and motion graphics and stuff like that. I was like, we started offering, we do audio production as well. I I don't even say like, sometimes I'll say we started offering it it like two years ago, but at this point I think our audio production and post-production skills are pretty decent. Um, And so what I've started doing is saying like to the right people, right? When I know we have like a decent relationship or we're like, or just trying to kind of just say that we do video production, but not like pretend that we're like the greatest at it yet. Right. So I say we're finally dipping our toe into full on video production, like to actually doing production. Yeah, within the next 12 months, maybe those emails are going to start out. We are a full service production company. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's kind right. of the way it's heading. And I, like, I know that you were pretty, pretty hesitant on that for a while, but I think it was the natural progression just because yeah. any, usually if you need post, you probably need production as well. And if you can keep it all in the same place, why not? Like, yeah. that's kind of how it started with, with this MLS gig is we've only ever done post for them, but you know, they know we're reliable and they want us to do the production end as well. I mean, for me though, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's the right time to start expanding into that. Like, I think I didn't want to do too much too soon. You know what I mean? Where it's like Jack of all trades, uh, master of none or whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be fun to, to get going on that kind of stuff. And I think one thing that maybe is going to set us apart is 
my unhealthy consumption of TikTok. Like I know that platform so well that like I can just off top come up with like three concepts, like literally give me like 10 minutes and I'll come up with three concepts that if you do them enough, will go viral. Like something will go viral because it's, yeah. it's really, really easy, especially in the sports space to, to do something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited to go to Minnesota. I'm excited to eat a Juicy Lucy. Maybe we'll, oh. we'll probably record a, a pod there. I'm assuming bring some mics. Gotta, yeah, I think so. I mean, we're going to be bringing mics either the way because, hey, we're capturing audio while we're there and yeah. uh, we'll capture some of our audio. Maybe maybe the day after we wrap, just, you know, have a quick, quick one, a little postmortem about how we think it went. And, yeah, I think that'd be know. pretty fun. Maybe we could have Kyle on. That'd be pretty cool. That would actually be great. Yeah, we are bringing like a shitload of microphones. <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh, let's head to, to the break. And then when we come back, we got a very special episode of Chris versus. Welcome to Rounds of Sound, the podcast where we go song for song with indie artists to find out their influences and the stories behind their songs. I'm here with Hannah Jadagu. The way I recorded my first couple of songs was all through my iPhone. We have Victoria Park. I was on Twitter as I am and it's like, hey, are there like any labels who follow me who might be interested? It's the one and only Liam Kazar. Yeah, here's what I'll say. You gotta walk all your gear up and fly the stairs. Okay, yeah, that's, that's never that's, fun. That's, that's no fun. Check out Rounds of Sound exclusively on Spotify and find out the influences behind your favorite artists. That's Rounds of Sound. Welcome back, Sizzlers. Welcome. You know, we, we, we like to play a game around here called Chris Versus, and yes. so far... I pretty much always lose. I think you you, uh, you tied one time. I, I did tie. I had a tie. I don't um, remember who that was with, but it, it was, I, I remember it came down to the very last question. You pulled out a tie, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so sometimes they're, they're directors that I really respect. Sometimes they're ones I don't really care about either way. Old fogies, you know. But today, today I'm excited about this one because this is a director I really, really like. I'm pretty excited about this one, too. Uh, this today is a special one. It's Chris versus Edgar Wright. And I, I really love Edgar Wright. Like, I think he writes some or writes and directs some of the like it's it's fun and it's funny. And like there's you know, there's always action, but there's always like a, just a certain style to it, the way he does stuff. It's it's really you can't look away. You always want to watch like the whole movie keeps moving. There's never a moment when you're like trying to check your phone for a second or something it's like you want to always be watching um, yeah and he, he always features really good actors and you know it, it's pretty much always funny or at least you know lighthearted in some way yeah uh and you know i think we originally got into him through spaced yeah was, yes yeah spaced Is it that, was uh i i wouldn't call it a sitcom well how would you describe did it he, was, a, did he work on spaced or was that I, uh that was the other guy uh the sean the, the dude who's the the actor what's the actor's name uh simon Pegg. simon Pegg. yeah wasn't simon Pegg? or was edgar wright directed those two he might have i don't know i don't have my computer in front of me because i'm an idiot i didn't bring it today so i can't look up anything but i mean yeah spaced that was that was fucking lit if you worked on that i, lo- I love that show underrated. yeah i believe he did i think uh i think simon Pegg actually 
uh, were, it says they were in the early stages of developing space for Channel 4 and thought of asking Wright to direct, having fondly remembered working with him on Asylum. Uh, Wright gave space an unusual look for the sitcom genre with dramatic camera angles and movement borrowed from the visual language of sci-fi and yeah. horror films. Dude, it, it, it's it's it legitimately one of the greatest shows ever made, but it's, uh, you know... It's not for everyone. It's it, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of he, it's got a lot of referential stuff. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people probably know him for the the three flavors Cornetto trilogy, which had uh like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead. Um, and I forgot the third one. Did he do? I figure like anytime Simon Pegg is in something, I'm like, oh, Edgar Wright did that too. That's just what I always think, and I don't know if that's right, but like, didn't they do like like the end of the world or whatever it was called the the, the world's end that was the third one in the trilogy he also did scott pilgrim versus the world and there wasn't did did he have any no am i am i tripping what's that one it's not it's not rango is it was like wasn't simon pegg involved in some movie that like had a fucking animated shit in it i don't really remember oh i'm sure he was but i I, I, I think johnny depp has no fucking idea i know most recently didn't edgar wright do uh like the soho one about the uh the chick who like moves to Soho and it's like a fashion thing. It just was like last December. I went and saw it. Um, this is what happens when I don't have my computer to do any research. <laughs> but that one was really good. Yeah, last night in Soho. Was last the name night of that in one. Soho. That's it. Yeah, I actually yeah. loved it. I know a lot of people were like, I don't know, it wasn't that good. It's like, all right, dude, well, I didn't you, see you, it. You go make a better movie. Like, it's just <laughs> like if you don't like it, just don't, just fucking don't talk about it. Um, all right, let's get into it. This is going to be Chris versus Edgar Wright. You know, we got uh, 10. The way it works, I don't know the name of the YouTube channel again because I don't have my shit with me. But basically, there's this YouTube channel that does, you know, these things with directors. They give you 10 tips. And uh, I'm going to read each tip and we're going to see how Chris feels about it. At the end, I'm going to give you the score. Uh, who this wins? This is one that I'm, I'm ready to lose. I don't care if I Edgar lose Edgar Wright one. versus Chris. Well, see, and I've I've never understood what winning or losing this game really entails. Like, if you lose, is that bad or is that good? And if you win, I don't know. what does that mean? I don't, so you're yeah, the one I, who who came up with the concept. I, I, it's I, called I, Chris versus. I love how I love how vague the concept is. That's it's a great way to fill time. Um, all right, let's get That's started. Really, what it is? Edgar Wright's number one tip, first tip, not number one, just first tip. Uh, one of ten. Aim to recapture the thrills that you felt watching your favorite films at the cinema. So, yeah, he wants you to try to, you know, the way that certain things made you feel, try and recapture that feeling. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. That sounds almost like a, uh, a, it's like write what you know, but a little bit different. It's like write what you felt, I guess, and try to recreate that. Um I think that's but really I, I, difficult to do. I can't even. It is. Yeah. Well, and, you know, different things, different people respond to different aspects of movies. Like, mm-hmm. I guess, like when I think about really feeling something at a movie, it's usually like, honestly, it's like an action movie with a happy resolution at the end. And like the big music is, is you know, just swelling and making you feel all sorts of ways. But that's also not really what I would be interested in In writing in writing. Yeah. I I don't think that's the kind of stories that I would tell, but those are the moments that like really stay with me when I think about seeing a a movie in the theaters, man, when I think about seeing a movie in the theaters, like I, I legitimately, it's so bizarre because I, I love watching movies in theaters. It's my favorite way to watch a movie. And I'm, I watch more movies in theaters than I do at home, but like I don't, really ever 
like it, it's not one of those things. It's not like a transformative experience for me ever. Like I don't walk out of, I don't see it like a cathedral where I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm at the, this cinema is holy. And like, I'm like experiencing this like higher thing. I, I like it because the picture is good and the sound is good. <laughs> like that's why yeah. I like it, you know? Uh, so to me, even thinking about biggest moments it, when I'm in a cinema is it's, it's, it's usually stuff like, I don't know, man, to me, like, I know that this is going to sound ridiculous, but Borat, like Borat's the one for me. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's one that stands shoot. out for me as well, just because it made you laugh. Oh, uh, oh, my shoe, cat shoelace, is now brushing up against my microphone. Shoe, shoelace the cat that. is making an appearance. We got to get Shoelace the cat on the show. Well, he's on the show, I guess. He's, he's on it. Shout all out right, to buddy. Shoelace. He wears a bow tie. He's a fucking legend. Um, he, he, he's a great cat, but all right, he's so, about to mess up this recording. No, nah, he's not messing it up, dude. Uh, okay, so what's your your take on this? Final final thoughts. You got to like, sum it up in a couple words. Recapturing the thrills you felt watching your favorite films. Um, only if you're trying to tell the same style of story. Hmm. Okay. All right. I'm going to make a note of that and make a note of that over here. Man, see, um, like, it's weird because I, I also like basically brain dead movies where it's just action and there's a protagonist and you know it's going to turn out well. Like, I, I watched a movie called The Gray Man. It came out on Netflix recently. And it's just like Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling. It's, it's really just Ryan Gosling being a badass. And like, it's completely unrealistic over the top. But I still love it because sometimes. I want to just turn something on and, and basically tune out. You yeah. Know, like, like it's, well, I remember ice cube once described these cause he remember he was, he was doing like, are we there yet? And are we there yet too? And shit. Yeah, yeah. And people were like coming at him and being like, Oh man, you know, you're making all, you're like a sellout. You're doing this shit. And he was like, he, he said this term and I like, it stuck with me forever. He was, he called it, he called them popcorn movies. He's like, I like sometimes yeah. just making popcorn movies. And I was like, I love that phrase. Cause like, that describes everything I like. I love watching popcorn movies like I like for me, for you, they're action films. For me, they're like brain dead, like ridiculous comedies like fucking. I don't know, like uh, I don't know, like Nutty Professor or some shit. Like I would just like sit yeah. down and watch that because it's like this is so dumb, but I love it. You know what I mean? Like I, I just love that kind of shit. Right. Um, you have to be able to like s suspend disbelief and just like enjoy the movie for what it is. Yeah, I don't need to turn everything into like a theory discussion or like, is this mm -hmm. art? Is it not art? Whatever. Okay. Uh, number two, Edgar Wright says, writing that comes from your heart will always turn out better than what you think you ought to write about. To me, this one is a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course yeah like it's always going to be easier to to write what you know right right and also like write what you feel like the, the second part to me is he says it's going to turn out better than what you think you ought to write about so like you know if you're like oh man i should be doing this it's like well then you're already going against what you want to write you know what i mean yeah i mean it's your story like don't don't change the way that the movie's going to go just because you think it'll be received better uh, exactly critically or you know in any other way but that's also it's a weird one cuz it's probably very difficult as a director to push back against the the studio or the agency whoever's in charge of it cuz well, you, you you know the studio wants to 
to have the type of movie that just like everyone likes the more generic the better i will say though shout out like he he sticks to his guns because this is what happened with ant-man remember like when so i never yeah, i yeah. didn't fuck with any i don't fuck with any marvel shit at all like i i think it's all they're they're good movies they're i'm just not interested i don't like superheroes but like when ant-man uh was announced it was like edgar wright's gonna be directing and i was like okay this is gonna be the first marvel movie i'm gonna go see and then after like a few months or like a year it was like edgar wright's off the project because he doesn't like he's not allowed to fulfill his vision and it's like that's cool because that's what he did he pushed back on it he was like no i want to write it this way you know so uh i get it you know I, get I will say I, I like the way that Ant-Man turned out. I don't know who took over directing. It was I don't really remember a lot of it. I just remember enjoying it. But that's one of those yeah. things where when Paul Rudd's in something, yeah, I'm probably going to enjoy it. Yeah, Paul Rudd's fucking hilarious. Um, that uh, For me, I also think about it from a music perspective. I remember one time I was like writing. Uh, I had a friend tell me like, you know, your songs are OK, but you should like try to write stuff that's maybe like more like electronic and stuff that people will actually like like and respond to. And like I was like, uh. No, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what why make. would I make music for other people? It's the dumbest show I've ever heard in my life. Oh, Shoelace the Cat is back. We got to get back. Shoelace meowing on the pod at some point. Well, you know, it is full disclosure. It is 530 and uh, Shoelace eats at five o'clock. So oh. he knows something's up. <laughs> Shoelace, Shoelace is pretty fat, to be honest. Um, All right, Shoelace, don't you worry. Skinny. We're going to get through this. Uh, We're on number three. Edgar Wright says, be methodical. I, okay, so I'm reading these for the first time as well, and I fucking love this tip just looking at it. Be methodical about plotting out your screenplay. You need a clear idea of where you're heading so you don't get lost or bored along the way. I mean, that's... Uh, I I think I might agree with this one more than any of them that I've, I've heard so far throughout this series because, right? I mean, like, that's what writing is. Like, you have to know where the story is going. I, it's always been crazy to me. People who can just like put pen to paper and start making shit up and like going off the top of their head. Like yeah. I couldn't personally never tell a story that way. Like I would have to, you know, storyboard the whole thing, so to speak, and like have my different acts structured or like know where I want to go with each little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, so there is something to say about it. I personally really, I think it's really important to have a roadmap and an outline um, just because like you, the first place you need a beginning, a middle and an end. So you need to know how you're getting from thing to thing. But, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I think, I think I could, I think I can sit down and just go, I can, I can do that. It's just like, it's, it's, uh, how can I put it? It's almost like if you sit down, if you get in a car and you're in Atlanta, Georgia, and you're trying to get to Denver, Colorado, you you'll get there. You can sit in a car and get in the car, and you'll get yeah, there. You'll head know towards the sun. You know, head west, and like you're gonna end up there eventually. But follow like some signs. But you could also just like take a quick peek at a map and make a note. Like, okay, I got to get on this exit, then there, then there. You know what I mean? And then you'll get there a little bit more efficiently, right? Yeah. The other thing for me is I think it'll it'll require less rewriting. Like sometimes if you're just writing off the top of your head, even if you kind of have the structure in your head, you might not spend enough time in each little area, so to speak, mm -hmm. as you're, you're telling the story and you're going to have to go back and rewrite and kind of like flesh things out in different places. Um, as opposed to just knowing how long you need to be in, a, in one place before moving on to the next. Um, I mean, look, this is the, like you said, best tip of the whole 
the whole uh, you know format so far. Yep. Um, yep. All right, moving on. Edgar Wright, his uh, number four tip for screenwriting: keep quote he puts this in quotes. Keep creatively procrastinating by researching until your treatment document starts turning into a screenplay. It's pretty interesting. Okay. That's a that's a super interesting concept. Um, I don't know if that is going to apply to everyone, but I know that would apply to me. Anytime I'm writing something that I'm that I don't completely know, because you have to write some things that you don't completely know to tell a compelling story. Yeah. Um, whether it's like historical f- fiction or like, you know, just understanding different how different jobs work if you're you're telling the story of of an accountant like i I don't know how accountants work just like you know understanding everything about that world exactly is super important because then you can tell it in a in a more true fashion an honest and honest way exactly instead of just making shit up that you think is right but uh, you know people who actually know will immediately discredit it because it's so wrong I just like that. I mean, I, I think it nails exactly what I was talking about earlier with um, the, the tree fort doc. Remember how yeah. I was like, man, I spent all day going through two hours of footage. And it's like, if I just wanted to sit there and watch two hours of footage and pull selects, maybe that would have taken me like four hours. But I spent like all day doing it because I kept, quote unquote, creatively procrastinating where, you know, in on my far right far right portion of my screen I had like a small like text edit doc or a Google doc and every time I thought of something I would write it in there real quick like I would be like oh this and I, I have like a jot pad almost where I'm like I've like I, I wrote like dream dream content that I could add to this like dream additional content so it's like big picture like first thing I think oh man this would be cool if it went here I write it there like it would be cool to do well lit sit down interviews in like a nice location with a couple more people who worked on the film to do supplemental like bites and stuff like that. And that ends up yeah. kind of becoming the, the screenplay in this in this situation, you know. Right. And, you know, because you procrastinate in that way, you kind of start making new connections that you hadn't originally thought of. And you're just more creative about the whole process. It's like going for a walk, you know. Totally. I went, I went for a walk down Google Docs lane. Um, all right. Number five. Uh, Edgar Wright says, use genre films like a Trojan horse. Sneak in bigger ideas into films that seem superficial at first. That's probably what was going on with Ant-Man. He probably tried to sneak in a big, yeah. a big idea and they were like, no, no, this is about an ant who's a man. No, that's I, I like that. Like kind of subverting the genre, you know, where you set up the film in a very specific fashion and so everyone's expecting one thing and the whole the entire movie is about something else basically that's kind of uh yeah off top i don't really like know any because i don't man i'm such i'm such a bad movie watcher like i just kind of forget them immediately as i after i watch it yeah i'm the same way but i feel like uh you know there's got to be well i mean that's kind of how hot fuzz starts out where you think it's just going to be like the traditional kind of buddy cop movie and i guess it still kind of is but then they're uncovering this big conspiracy about the the town itself and how how everything works yeah i um i i think to me like the number one example of this is just superhero movies it's always superhero movies cuz that's what superhero movies are like if you talk to the people who direct the superhero movies or like, you know, what's that Star Wars shit with the the Mandalorian, like any of that, they have bigger ideas in those movies. It's just that like they're told through these 
the characters they're told through are what throw it off for me because I really don't find any connection with those characters. I don't enjoy them. Yeah, I get that. Um, And actually, it leads perfectly into number six. He says, comedy comes out of character. If your character's voice and their strengths and weaknesses are well-defined, comedy will naturally emerge from them. I mean, everything that he's talking about is the exact same way that I feel about a lot of things. Like, I always praise character over plot. Character is so much more interesting, in my opinion. Because it's like, if you have two characters who are interesting, you can put them anywhere and make a conversation and it works, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about any, pretty much any sitcom, every single trope has been done dozens of times. Yeah. Anytime you watch a new sitcom, sitcom, it's already been done. You know, like there's the the famous quote, Simpsons did it because yep. uh, it's been done. But where the the novelty and, and like the newness comes out is through the characters and how they interpret that same situation you know situational comedy that's what the whole thing is i would take it a step further and literally like go beyond writing for the screen or writing for the stage or whatever or sitcom whatever i would take it beyond all of that and it's literally that is human nature is character think about the news right people like don't care about the news they tune in because the anchor is this person and they're used to them right like there's a reason that people remember walter cronkite as like a it's he wasn't he was just fucking on the screen talking you know what i mean but he's a character podcasts there's a zillion podcasts and yeah like basket there's basketball podcasts left and right the ones i listen to though i listen to them because i like the main character it's the host TikTok, same. There's zillions of TikToks talking about food and like, here's like the best sandwiches in New York City. But there's a lot of people who do it in a really annoying way. And then there's a couple people who do it in a really cool way that actually resonates with me. And those characters are the ones I watch, right? It, it's well, I mean, that's how I used to be really like maybe five or 10 years ago. I would watch a lot of uh, basically people playing video games on the internet. They're usually called Let's Plays. And Dude, there are a dime a dozen. You go on Twitch, you can find a thousand different streamers doing the same game. But finding one that you actually like, it, it takes time. It's difficult. And when you find them, you're like, damn, I want to keep watching. I don't want to watch others because I enjoy the way this person yeah. speaks, you know, the way they joke, the way they approach things. Like, I just enjoy it's almost, uh, wh- what do they call it? Is it parasocial relationship? Yeah, maybe. Where where like you know like radio hosts or something like you you like a certain radio has host and like in your head it, they're almost friends in your head yeah yeah, but yeah. They, they're never gonna know you but you you know right no yeah i get it. i mean that's you know it's kind of like editing like if you edit the same thing enough you like get to know the hosts but then like you realize you've only talked to them like once in your entire fucking life um yeah that that actually kind of happened uh with with racks like oh I, yeah I, I edited like 30 episodes that he was in and then I actually met Rax and you know, he was pretty much the same, but he, I don't think he realized how, how much content of him you consumed. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I will say one last thing on this comedy comes out of character, but like I would go even like to go even further and get out of any content. It's just like real life too. Like for example, if you go to a particular bar Sometimes you go there because you know the bartender and they're cool. You don't give a fuck about the drinks. Like sometimes like for me, like my friend Ben, right? He works at this bar. I don't sometimes I'll go there and like not even to drink just because I'm walking by and it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, he's there and I want to chat for a bit. Say hi. I'll come in and like literally just order waters and I'm sure he hates me for it. But I'll sit there and have like 
four glasses of water and then be like, all right, cool, man, I'm out. <laughs> like, and that's, that's not good for the business. So if, if you're listening, don't do that. But the, I love how you say this bar as if we don't talk about them wa- almost every week. Wandering bar, man, wandering bar. Man. But, um, that goes to show the pull of characters, you know, like yeah. it's because of the person that things can be either funny or tragic or whatever. The person is the story. The story is not the story. The people are the story. I don't know. The story is the story. Whatever. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number seven. Edgar Wright. In this day and age where all of the tools to get your film seen are at your disposal, but also at the disposal of your competitors, it is time to focus on being your most unique self to stand out with your film. Uh, yeah, what do you think of that? I mean, I've I've got thoughts on it. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's something I can really disagree with. I think that's one that's just a little bit too vague to to comment on. I get like, what if your unique self isn't that unique? You know, like what? And and there's so much more to marketing than just like being your unique self. Uh, that that one falls a little bit flat for me. Not that I think it's completely wrong. I get what he's trying to say. But yeah. you can only lean into it so much. Um, so I I always like look at the shit through the lens of what I consume the most. And, and I can really TikTok is where I'm consuming the most content uh, these days. So for me, I think of it through that lens. And I think like it, it's I think it's just fucking spot on. Like you have to be your unique self again. It goes back to like the last one about characters, right? Like if you're creating something and specifically for TikTok, you will be the character in it most likely. So like you just need to be as you as you can be, you know, if you try to, you know, not if you try to do something that you're not. And it seems like now there's a pattern, like all of his shit seems to be all of his advice is like, do you fam, you know? Yeah, basically. Um, Yeah. I mean, it just it's a double edged sword because a lot of, you know, you talk about TikTok, a lot of creators on TikTok they like go too hard on trying to be their unique selves so that it's like fucking grating and annoying. And like, I I immediately want to skip because it's like, yo, you're trying too hard. But that's their unique self, right? Yeah. But I mean, maybe it works for maybe it works for some people. It can be a detriment is what I think. Like, yeah, it, it, it might make you stand out, but maybe not in a good way. The best part is that if you do it and you're really sticking to you being your unique self, there's no way to fuck it up. You know what I mean? You'll find your market. You'll find your niche. Yeah. That's for sure. And it's going to come naturally. So you'll just be able to like, oh, oh, cool. This is what I've been doing. I don't have to like switch it up. I don't have to like change this. I don't have to do that. It's just like, I'm just going to do me. I don't know. I, I fuck with that. I think it's, I think it's good advice. But yeah, I see what you're saying too. Um, all right. We're almost done here. We got three more. Uh, number eight. He says, having affection for the genre is what will make people take your genre film seriously and not mistake it for a parody. Um what do you think? I'm all in on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like if you're going to tell a genre story, then you have to, you know, going back to that, that uh, the research one. I don't remember how it was yeah. phrased, but the creative procrastination, I think you have to creatively procrastinate in that genre as much as you can so that you you understand the different tropes and like the different places where you can subvert it and and tell it tell it in a a renewed way i guess um because otherwise it's going to seem inauthentic and yeah like you said it would seem like a parody like you're you're making fun of the genre as opposed to like trying to portray that genre in a novel fashion um 
Yeah, it, you gotta love it, right? He said having affection for you, you gotta love the thing that you're trying to create. It, it, you know, it's like if I, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, it's I'm trying to think of something where it's like one if, time we made a a film noir and we don't have any passion for that, so it seemed like a parody. Well, I we, mean, it was a parody. That's why. Actually, that's a great example. Like we literally for 48 film, 48 hour film, we drew film noir, and we. Never, I don't know. I can't speak for you, but like, I don't, I, I know the I tropes know. from like cartoons making fun of it. Yes. But like, I like the like old Daffy Duck cartoons and shit. But exactly. I, I never like have seen a film noir and been like enthralled and been like, oh my God, like, I love this genre. It's like maybe the closest thing is, is like 90s independent, like, sub, like, interpretations of noir like taking noir elements like twists and sure. stuff like that and double crossing and throwing them into uh into a movie but generally like i think that's why we were like yeah this has to be a comedy because we don't know how to fucking write this all we all exactly. we know is how to like be, like touch on the tropes but in, everything in between we can't do it you know mm -hmm. um all right be inauthentic number nine put a different part of yourself into each character in your screenplay that's actually pretty interesting I, I've never thought about about that because to me I've always been like oh you represent you are you put yourself into one character and the other ones you base off of other things or other people but that's really interesting to try to split yourself into different like different elements yeah. of you into each character I, I have mixed feelings on this one because like on the one hand it's like it sounds a little bit narcissistic and also it's like well if you're putting yourself in every character then like well why did why do you need to be in every single character? Why can't they be unique on their own? But on the other side, I, I kind of like it because if you're you're only putting one small part of you in each each of the characters, you can kind of put yourself in their shoes a little bit more easily. And you're also going to care about those characters a little bit more because everyone loves themselves. You know, the, everyone loves themselves. Right. That's true. And they, they want to tell their own story so Lizzo, it kind of gives you i think lizzo loves herself a lot i feel like lizzo yeah. when i think of people who love themselves the first thing that comes to mind for me is lizzo i don't know why but i feel like she she's just got mad confidence she oozes confidence you know what i'm saying hey I think, man uh you, you gotta love yourself and when i think of people who don't love themselves go love yourself bro yo go love yourself motherfucker <laughs> when i think of people who don't love themselves i think of uh i don't know i don't know I'm not really sure uh Chris, maybe I don't know. <laughs> no fucking idea. Um, all right, we're on the last one, number ten. When co-writing, someone needs to be the bad cop and negotiate how much time you can spend in the writing room if the good cop spends too much time joking and playing around with ideas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is is this like an internal struggle, or if you're like straight up in a writer's room with other people? It says when co-writing. Yeah. Okay. So like, if, if it's like two people or multiple people writing, like someone's got to fucking run the room, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's true. It depends where you are in the in the in the process, stages, though. Yeah, yeah, like if you're super early on in development, then I think you're throwing as much shit to the wall and seeing what sticks as possible, and you're not really worried about getting you know concrete pen to paper figuring yeah. it out but yeah there is a point where it's like shit or get off the pot like it's time to start writing yeah so someone has to come in and be like all right okay all right we're at the point now where we're just throwing around <laughs> shit and we just need to get stuff on paper yeah yeah so i mean this is actually kind of the way 
it's happened a few times now. We'll have a, a creative meeting and it'll be me, Alexi, Amy, and then like whoever our clients are. And we're kind of going through, we're brainstorming and everything, but it's always Alexi who's like got a document up and he's writing down what people are saying and trying to format it in like in a structured way that makes sense and that we can actually execute. Um, everyone loves, everyone loves writing until you have to get to the writing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's hundred percent true. It's like people love just saying shit, but then like deciding what look, is look, actually going to be done. That's the, the hard part. Look at the podcast industry. People love saying shit. <laughs> right. As soon as you have to write it down, that's where shit goes haywire. All right. We did it. We got through Chris versus, um, this one, I'm going to go ahead and score it. We're going to go back through all 10. And oh, I'll let we're you actually know scoring this one. Oh, I, I score them all the time. Number one, aim to recapture the thrills that you felt while watching your favorite films at the cinema. Um, I believe for this one, Chris, you were like, man, I just love when the music swells and all that. Thought that was a weak answer. Edgar Wright gets that point. <laughs> one to Edgar. Uh, I agreed with him on all except for one. <laughs> also, speaking of Edgar, that's uh, Engineer Will's dog, Edgar. Oh, so he's named after, Edgar, named after Edgar Wright. Um, number two, writing that comes from your heart will always turn out better than what you think you ought to write about. Uh, you were wishy-washy on this one and you, it seems like you couldn't decide cause you were like, well, what if the studio wants this? And I was like, that's some bootlicker shit. Edgar Wright gets the point Two to Edgar Wright, zero to Chris. You're, you're not getting it produced without the studio though. Mm, yeah, you might, you might, uh, like now we can make movies on our iPhone. Uh, all right. Number three, beat this. You said this is your favorite tip ever be methodical about plotting out your screenplay you need a clear idea of where you're going so you don't get lost or bored along the way um and the fact that you thought this was your favorite tip ever just proves how good of a tip it is so edgar Wright gets the point three cool. three to edgar zero to chris if you're keeping score at home um the next one was to keep creatively procrastinating by researching until you're doc your treatment doc starts becoming the screenplay um and that's where you really turned it on chris i think that one sparked something in you and you had a lot of good points about it so i gave you the point there so that makes it three one it's not a shutout um tip number five was using genre films like a trojan horse and sneaking bigger ideas into them um you were talking about that and how you like genre films and how all that and i i, I basically had no idea and kind of zoned out so i gave you the point just because it seemed like you're passionate uh number six comedy comes out of character if your character's voice and their strengths and weaknesses are well defined comedy will naturally emerge from them um i think we we're both pretty passionate about this one you know characters are, are very important and even though mm-hmm. edgar said it i think maybe we said it a little better so i gave you the point three <laughs> So it's three for the the assist on that one. No problem. I have to throw you the alley. So three, three uh, going into our last four questions. Uh, That's when Edgar said that, you know, to in this day and age, everyone has the same tools. um, So you need to focus on being your most unique self. Uh, Your direct quote was that is too vague. You said that is too vague. What if you're not? What if you're not so unique? Um, and I, I, you know, that's you lost me there. You, the, I don't think you were on the right track at all. Um, so I gave that one to Edgar. Number eight. That, that was one of his like, sh- like just generic bullshit ones that every other director gives. I because I, I loved his list so much because there were so many unique, like actual tangible pieces of of advice instead yeah. of the same old shit. But yeah. that one is some same old shit. That's okay. That's true. Actually, the way you. T- 
Now, if you'd said that during the thing, you might have gotten that point, but officially, That's all right. it unfortunately got scored to Edgar. Uh, so we're on to uh, number eight. Where Played he's, my uh, case with the refs. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, but next time, just do it during the game. And then, because the game is literally about pleading your case, pretty much. Uh, having affection for the genre is what makes you not mistake it for a, a parody, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you seem to you seem to love genre movies, because every time we talk about genre films, these tips, you're winning the points. Um, I gave this one to you because you brought up Pinot Noir, a classic film. Uh, yeah. So that gets you at four. So you're at four. Edgar Wright's at four, going into the last two questions here. It's a close oh, one. Oh, shit. Uh, he said, put different parts of yourself into each character in the screenplay. You said you have mixed feelings about this. Um, a little indecisive, in my opinion. So I gave that to Edgar, I think. Okay. you got to be more decisive if you're going to be going sure. up against the greats. Uh, if you want to be considered in the same name as them, even the same same conversation. So it comes down to this last one. If you got the, the tie, maybe it's your second tie of your career. Um, when co-writing, someone's got to be the bad cop. Um, someone's got to be the good cop. Uh you didn't do anything wrong. I just gave this one to Edgar. <laughs> what? That's so messed just, up. I had such a good example. And I, I talked about how you're the one who's putting yeah. pen to paper. I was propping you up, bro. Well, I, I, I felt like offended being called a cop. So <laughs> I, I'm not a cop. I gave this to Edgar. Edgar wins six to four. Solid, solid effort from Chris. Um, and that, this is the best one we've done so far. I really enjoyed that because I, I actually love yeah. Edgar Wright's style and stuff so much. Um it's time. It's very insightful. It's time for the thing that we all love. Uh, unless you have something, you, you have anything else about it? Any wrap up thoughts on that? No, I just wanted to thank Edgar Wright for having such a, a great conversation with me and, and giving me some great pointers about how to proceed with my career. Maybe I'll maybe I'll fucking tag him on Twitter with the time code and be like, go oh to this. Oh my God. <laughs> That'll be like, this stupid idiot has no reason to comment on my advice. I think, I think he would think it's charming that we're too, uh, like, dumbasses who don't really know shit but also really admire him you know that's that's just how i feel um all right moving on what we learned last week what we learned last week all right you want to kick us off sure so last week i learned that the the first animated feature film ever was made in argentina um a lot of people think that like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is one of the the first animated feature films. But apparently 20 years before that, there was a full length animated feature made in Argentina and it was a political satire. It was called, I I can't, it's it's Spanish, El Apostol, made up of 58,000 drawings and had a running time of 70 minutes. See, that's that's pretty incredible. And that just goes to show Hollywood out here, uh, America washing history being like no we were first America America did it first like no America didn't do shit first bro uh, America basically did nothing first uh, alright so me for mine mine's not related to film at all and it's not even something I learned last week it's just something I thought of again but um, you know back in the day in the way way back before the US was even a country in, in England in like the 15 1600 some shit the the royals like the the highest class members of society uh, spoke a lot of French and all Hmm. the poor people lived in the countryside all spoke English. Right. And so when we talk, a lot of words are borrowed from French now in modern society. And they're usually words that have to do with like higher concepts that the poor people weren't uh, exposed to. Um, One thing that's interesting though, is that when it comes to food, uh, the reason that we 
talk the way we talk about meat uh the animal name is usually drawn from the countryside people from english but the name of the meat that the animal produces the meat that after it's cooked and that we consume that's all usually said in french so for example cows right we call them cows it's the english word but beef when it's being when it's meant to be eaten that's comes from french boeuf right uh, mm-hmm. but in french the word boeuf just means cow so like hmm. that's so we're literally using the french word for the animal as its meat name right so same with the uh, pig pork right pork is french for pig sheep mutton right mutton is french for sheep so it's uh it's it's kind of interesting i don't know that's it what that's do you think of, the poor people called hors d'oeuvres hordevores snacks <laughs> yeah. i was i was saying the poor people uh, were out here just eating pies and shit like that i don't know or not even pies they're probably just eating like wheat and potatoes meat and pie yeah i don't even know they i don't even know where they were getting their meat from though but who knows cow pie oh cow pie that's a very different thing no oh, no, no. <laughs> no that's not it that ain't it um all right uh one last uh go at the uh social media handles here what do you think oh Dude, we are at Sizzle Real Gang on Twitter and Instagram uh, and on Gmail. Sizzle Gang at gmail.com. Send us an email. Send we'll, us a fucking email. I'm cutting yeah. you off. I'm sorry because I'm pissed that no one's sending emails. We work so hard to, to keep that inbox open for you guys and no one's sending shit in. It's really annoying. We, we really have just like three people who, who contribute to the show. And uh, that's not including us. I was going to say, two of them are us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, where else are we? Well, we have this is a real cold line. That's right. Got to gotta plug that. It is 332-333-4361. So the way Zoom works, I can only hear myself, but I can tell you're also singing along. So yeah. I have no idea how that turned out. I think it's going to oh, be and fucking sick. Of course, this real live. Sizzle Real, come the, to Sizzle Real Live. Hundreds of Sizzle Gang, the website.com. Yeah, Sizzle Real, yep. Sizzle Real Gang, the website.com. $6.66. I made it so it's really easy to type in on a phone. Sizzle Real Gang, the website.com. <laughs> um, yeah, we go, need a bit.ly. Go get a fucking ticket. No, I'm not doing any bit.lys for these fuckers. They, they barely send in emails, anyways. I don't even Bit-dies. want your money. I don't even want your money. But um, yeah, I, I kind of do want your money. So buy, buy a couple <laughs> tickets. Don't show up. That'll be amazing. That's even better. We planned it out a little bit. We're gonna be we're gonna build a stage out of pallets. So that's gonna be fun. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm gonna try to go by this week, we, I think, and 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 give it a test run. So we were methodical in our script writing. Yeah. Thanks to Edgar Wright. Yeah, I, I was creatively procrastinating uh, booking this show for the longest time, <laughs> and now it's almost upon us. Uh, so I need to really get moving. I got to figure out like how we're gonna run sound. I got to figure out who's going to be queuing all of the sound effects. <laughs> like it's, oh, I got to yeah. actually figure shit out. But um, I think I might try to recruit Braxton because he knows how to cue sound effects. He does that for his podcast all the time. Well, so, shit. Yeah, these are. I'm. I'm actually going to see him tonight. It's his birthday. So. Oh, it's Braxton's birthday. Yeah, going, birthday going, Braxton. To going to cheer him up. Today's his birthday. Today's like, his birthday. Up today. Right now, the day we're recording. Yes, this is. All birthday. right, I'll, I'll shoot him a text. So we'll be on. A, we'll be going to Cherry on Top. Well, I'm I am try not going to gonna go there. No, yeah, you shouldn't go. You're 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 in quarantine. You're in quarantine. No, um, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Cherry on top's fucking awesome. I love it. I think we went the other day, and um, we're gonna get Braxton like a hundred dollar like large format wine. It's like a big decanter thing, and it holds four bottles of wine. <laughs> so we were like, we're gonna get him a giant thing of rosé and surprise him. So it should be should be a good time. Um, that sounds fun. 
All right, Chris. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, and uh, listeners, thanks for sizzling along with us. Don't yeah, let this sorry sizzle. Yeah, sorry if it was disjointed, but, you know, it's remote. Yeah, on I think. On remote again. On remote again. I think it was a pretty good, um, I think it was a pretty good show, honestly. So. I enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it, too. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. See ya. <laughs>